Let's open our Bibles. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Let me turn this down just a little bit, Chris. Otherwise, I'm going to have to whisper. And Zeke doesn't want me to whisper. He wants me to go for it, right? (laughs) So, last week, just a little bit of... uh, Reminder: Last week we talked about reentry, and we, you know, we we talked about the principles in the reentry book, the reentry team, and I just want to um, review those quickly. Number one, the five vital issues of reentry. Number one, they finished their assignment; they were done. Number two, they went back; they returned to their sending church. Number three, they received the church's hospitality. Number four, they. They rehearsed all that God had done, or they gave a report of all that God had done in and through them. And number five, they got back involved. They they were reintegrated. They ministered again in the church. So these are the things that we've been working on, and I loved that idea of the welcome sign to sign. That's a great idea, I think, you know. Genesis. We've been looking at Genesis, and we're not going to cover every chapter and every verse, but Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we've looked in in Genesis chapter 1 and and Genesis chapter 2, and um, we, we saw there that God did some incredible, incredible things. And when you read the scripture, it says that, that God saw that it was good. And then it says again and again, God saw that it was good, it was good. And then it says, in the end it says, God saw that, that it was very good. This was like an incredible thing, you know, this masterpiece of creation. And, and when you think about what, what, what exactly it is, it is amazing. But we have to ask the question, what happened? You know, he created this earth, he created all, everything, and then he created people, and it was perfect. The Garden of Eden was an incredible place. What happened when we look around in the world today? You look around in this room, like, what happened? Right? Well, maybe not when you look around in the room. I just threw that in to see if you'd, see if you'd respond at all. This is what happened. Romans chapter 5 Paul says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. This is what happened. Sin entered into the world. It wasn't like this when God created. Death entered into the world. And when did that happen? That's what we're looking at here in chapter 3, which I I tried to squeeze it into one week, but I'm going to make it into two. And that, that doesn't surprise any of you, does it? No. <laughs> right. But there's an awful lot in there. So, but, but this is what happened, you know, this, this cataclysmic occurrence here in the, in the book of Genesis in chapter 3. And, and you always have to know, and I encourage you again to, to read the book of Genesis, and especially these first chapters which set the stage, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, which set the stage for, stage for all of the issues of life and the issues of life here on this planet for us. Sin entered, it says, the world through one man and death through sin. 
But it wasn't just to them. It, it came to all. It came, it passed on to all of us. That's, that's where we are at today. So sin and death entered the world, and this fellowship with God was broken. Not only the fellowship with God was broken, but the fellowship amongst themselves. And we'll see that in chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Like, what is going on in this world? Well, this is it. Sin entered the world. And death through sin. Matthew Henry, I love that guy. He says this. He says he's a commentator from the 1800s, I believe. He said, this, the story of this chapter, chapter 3, is perhaps as sad a story, all things considered, as any we have in all the Bible. He said, in the foregoing chapters, we have had the pleasant view of the holiness and the happiness of our first parents, Adam and Eve, the grace and favor of God, the peace and beauty of the whole creation, all good, very good. But here the scene is altered. And we have here an account of the sin and the misery of our first parents, the wrath and the curse of God against them, the peace of the creation disturbed and its beauty stained and sullied, all bad, very bad. It went from good, 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 very good to bad, very bad. He went on to say later that sin brought sorrow into the world, and it was this that made the world a veil of tears and brought showers of trouble upon our heads and opened springs of sorrow, sorrows in our hearts. That's what happened. When did all that happen? How did it get like this? Genesis chapter 3, this is where you, you point back to. We call it the fall, the fall of man. But even so, even in the middle of this, and we're not going to get to it this week, though I want to point it out to you, even in the middle of this and even in the, what we call the curse the promise of a Savior is given to us. The hope of a Savior and redemption is offered right there in the very middle of all of this stuff that just isn't really very happy. So let's, let's start in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> it, says, <clears throat> it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the serpent. The serpent is who? He's Satan. And we don't know, did he, did he kind of like, you know, take the, embody a, a, what we call a serpent, a snake? Maybe uh, we'll see that things change and the part of the curse is the serpent has to go on the ground. We'll talk about that next week. But, but at some point in time, it was really Satan. And the first thing that he does there in this, in this garden, this, again, this beautiful, beautiful creation that God had given, he questions the word of God. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? 
I mean, one of the things that's being attacked over and over even now, and, and I, I think what we see here isn't just what happened back then, but it's happening today too, is that the Word of God is being questioned over and over again. And, and that's why we, we read it, we study it, we encourage you to open up the book for yourself, to know what God's Word says. That is your only protection from the, the enemy. The, it, he says he's crafty. Another translation says he's subtle. He doesn't come in and say, hi, it's me, Satan, and I want to like throw a monkey wrench in all your thoughts and in and, and, and your life. He doesn't say that. He's crafty, way craftier than you or I can even imagine. He, he kind of has this idea like surely God wouldn't limit you. Surely God wouldn't stop you from something that is like really good. And we see that today as well, you know. Uh, you watch commercials today, and, and I, say, I say like nine out of ten say, you need to get this because you deserve it. And you need it. But someone said this, that this question and, and the response, they changed the course of human history, and it absolutely did. You want to know what happened? This is what happened here. So the woman answers the serpent, and, and she said, God did say. Now, the truth of the matter is, God said it to who? Adam. To Adam, back in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. God said, don't eat of it. You will die. Now, Adam obviously, at some point, passed that information along to her. So she knew. She knew what God had said. It's kind of interesting. She adds a little bit in here. She said, you, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, God didn't say that in the account we have in chapter 2. So maybe she added a little bit. But the, the fact of the matter is that's not necessarily such a bad thing, what she added. Now, we don't want to add to the scripture and add to what God says. But, but he says, don't, don't eat of it. But it's a good idea not even to touch it. And that's good. Stay away from it. Paul says to flee. Run away from the, the lusts of youth. So, but what, what I find interesting, and, and, I, and, I, and I have some history w with this idea, that she, she gets into this discussion with the serpent. Now, when was the last time you talked to a snake? I'm not talking about your brother or, you know that guy you met on the street or anything. It's not something you normally do, but she's got this discussion going on here, and it's actually a discussion with who? With Satan. We read in the book of Jude, you know, uh, there's only one thing that you need to say to, to, the, to the devil. What is that? The Lord rebuke you. So, you know, talked about the angels, you know, they didn't get into this whole thing with the angels, didn't get this whole thing with Satan. He just says, the Lord rebuke you, the Lord rebuke you. See, you and I, you know, when we start saying, I rebuke you in the name, you know, I rebuke you. No, we need the Lord to rebuke the enemy. We, we, we can't stand against him, but the Lord can. But don't get drawn into a discussion. When I was a very young Christian, you know, I, I, I was part of this, this fellowship and this group, and they kind of got veered off into this whole, you know, deliverance thing. 
And I believe in deliverance. But it's like, it's like uh, everybody has a demon. Everybody's got it. Everyone. Christian, non-Christian, you know. And, 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 and it just created fear. But what I found, there would be these deliverance sessions and there would be like these discussions going on with what appeared to be a demon. That's not good. And then, and then there would be, because of what they, the demon would say, then you'd build kind of like a, a pattern or, or this you know, doctrine or this a way of dealing things by what a demon said. We don't want to build our lives on, and, and how we practice on what a demon would say. Why? Because they lie. The Lord rebuke you. I find myself, after reading that in Jude, just that, that's all I have to say. That's all I need to say. The Lord rebuke you. And I'm a child of God, and, and I'm going to just follow after my, my father. What we notice here in this whole situation is, is and, and again, applying this to our lives today, is that the way is way more open than closed. They, they were allowed to eat everything in the garden, right? All the trees there except one. Now, you could, you know, make a joke about it. Well, yeah, it's just the one. That's the one we go to. But, but you have to keep in mind, this is before the fall. Now, after the fall, absolutely that's true. If, if you know, we're, we're not supposed to do, you know, if all these things God blesses us with and he's given to us, but there's that one thing and that's the thing that we kind of get drawn to. But that's because we're, this is after the fall. We had that sin nature. But before that, it wasn't like that. You see, Adam and Eve, they didn't have that. So, so the enemy kind of brought it to the front, right? The enemy like brought it and put it in front of her and said, hey, wait, come on, go, go over here, let's check this out. But I want to say this, and, and I, I, I know this is true from experience. I know it's true from what God's word says, that God only restricts those things that cause harm and that bring death. He doesn't say, you know, and this is what the world would say, you know, he's just keeping the, you know, the good stuff away from you because he wants you to suffer. That's what Satan was saying here in, in a way. You know, he's just keeping that from you. God only keeps stuff away from us because it will harm us. He says, don't do this, don't do that. The reason why is because he knows the fruit that it will bring. Now the serpent comes and he says, you know what? Again, it's, it has to do with the word of God. He says, the serpent says, you will not surely die. That's just a flat out lie. Well, they were going to die. They weren't going to die Physically, right that second, that's not what happened, but death came right then. Death came. Satan, uh, Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. Now, the enemy, you know, he, he likes to mix in some truth with lies, right? He likes to put them together. It's not always going to be all lies, and, and even this lie here, he kind of mixed it all together. He said, your eyes will be opened. Yes, that's true. Your eyes will be opened. Their eyes were opened. Not necessarily in a good way, though. He said, you will be like God. That's false. That's not true. You see, you have to look back even before this, uh, when 
Satan was an angel, and he, he was like a, a powerful angel, but, but he fell. This, this is, these were his goals, you see, to be like God. It says in Isaiah chapter 14, he says, I will make myself like the Most High. That was his goal. That was his plan. Now he's, now he's wanting to pull them into it as well. It didn't work for him, and it certainly did not work for Adam and Eve. But there's something about this. There's something about this, this idea, and I'm going to talk about it more in a second. But, but I found these, these three uh, statements from a guy named Larry Richards, and I really like this. That's not it. So Satan, Satan attacked God's commandment or his standard. Think about that for a second. His standard in three ways. Number one, he questioned the existence of the standard. Did God really say that? Is it even, did God really say that? Number two, he cast doubt on God's motives for establishing the standard, what I've just been talking about. God, try to keep it. God knows that when you eat, you'll be like God. He's just keeping something from you. And number three, he denied the consequences of violating the standard. You will not surely die. You won't die. It's not going to affect you. When I think about these Three things here. These are all true today. They're all true today. You know, the world, the enemy, they're questioning that God didn't, God didn't even say that. That's not what God said. Well, how do you know? You don't even read the Bible. How do you know what God said? Because I just know it. God didn't say that. God didn't do that. Or, you know, God's just trying to make your life miserable. Because he's trying to keep that, that thing from you. But I think the, the third one is probably the most common. It's not going to bother you. It won't affect you. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time and you sin and you know you sin and it's not you know, something that just you don't, aren't aware of or anything, but you know it's just flat out wrong, has it affected you? Does it affect you? absolutely affect you, the, the shame and the guilt and, 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 and everything else that comes along with it, and then the breaking of, of relationships. These things are all true today, and the enemy is saying today, you know what, just go ahead. It, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. But the spiritual principle we find in Galatians chapter 6 is that God cannot be mocked. It says, whatsoever a man sows, what? That will he also reap. Whatever we sow into, that's what we're going to reap. It's going to, you know, fruit's going to come up. Whether it's like weeds or bad fruit or, or good fruit. You sow good seed, you're going to get good, good plants coming. You sow bad, bad's going to come back up. It's a spiritual principle. We can't, we can't, I love the way uh, Paul said it there. He said, God cannot be mocked. And Satan's saying, you know what? You won't die. Nothing's going to happen. There's no consequences of, of violating what God's standards, his commandment, his word says. Not going to affect you any. That's a lie. It will. So Satan 
Someone said this, he set out to spoil this relationship between God and those that God created. He wanted to spoil that relationship. Why? Because his relationship was spoiled with God because of his sin, so might as well take you along with me. And they said this, his, his evil work was to tempt them to go beyond the limit that God had set to be independent of God, to put themselves in the place of God. And again, these are all things that Satan wanted. And, and the root of it was pride. The root of it was pride. This idea of being independent of God. That's, that's, what, that's where the world is at. I don't need God. I can't, you know, I'm the captain of my own ship. I, I don't need God. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Look at verse 6. It says there, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, she started it off, but it, but it, it went to him as well, right? She looked. She considered it. She ate kind of these steps. It's always not just one thing all of a sudden. It's kind of like little steps that we take. Again, this is still true today. Now, again, she was in a different place spiritually because this is before the fall, before she ate. So there was you know, a certain sense of innocence there. But you and I, it's different. It's the same kind of thing. But we saw it in 1 John where, where John says all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're all, they're all there, and it's, they're not of the Father, but they're of the world. And, and this is what, what Satan has kind of like, he's the God of this world. You know, the, the lust of the flesh, what, you know, how, how it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eyes, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. This idea that I'm going to be so wise when I do that. If I go ahead and do that, it's just going to be so good. And then she gave it to her husband, who was, who was the one given the command, and, and he ate of it. Now, it's interesting. Paul says in 1 Timothy that, that Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So, okay, but he, he's not just picking on the woman there, what he's saying there, when you read it in the context, what he's saying is there, yeah, the woman was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. In other words, he made a deliberate, willful choice. He knew exactly, he wasn't deceived. Well, he knew, hey, this is not a good choice. This is against what God says, but I'm going to do it anyways. Now, why he didn't want his wife to be, you know, in that situation by herself... We, we don't know a lot of the answers to, 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 to all the questions. But look at verse 7. It says that when they did this, what happened? Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Satan said, your eyes will be opened. That was true. And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Their eyes were open, but not necessarily in a good way. And Satan didn't tell them all that, did he? 
He didn't say, your eyes are going to be opened and you're, it's not going to be a good sight, but do it anyways. He didn't tell them that. He just says, your eyes will be open. It's going to be, you know, like left it to their imagination. Like, it, wow, yeah. But what were their eyes open to? Their eyes were open to shame and fear and guilt and the knowledge of evil. You see, there was this innocence that was lost. They had this innocence beforehand and there was no shame, it said in the end of chapter 2. The man and his wife were both naked. They felt no shame. And now all of a sudden what they feel is shame. Their innocence is lost. You don't have to look around the world much today to, to, to see that the innocence, where's the innocence? And, and, and it's being attacked in our society, this hypersexualization of our society, the innocence of children. I mean, the stuff that they're wanting to teach our children in like elementary school, it's, it's appalling. It's like, it's deadly. The innocence, let's take it away from them younger and younger and younger and, and expose them to all these things. And then if you say anything, oh, you are, you know, a bad person because you're not, you know, allowing you're not including. We're in a bad way here today, folks. And it's not just because people are bad. It's because of sin. It's because of what happened here in Genesis chapter 3. And it's getting worse and worse. The only, the only reason our country has been the country that has been is because, yeah, they weren't perfect, but this country was built on biblical principles. And the more we get away from those principles, the worse it gets. That's, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. By the way, i got to tell you this story. <laughs> I was here the other day, Friday, and uh, there was a guy in a parking lot. I came, I had taken some trash across the street. I saw him, he was sitting on the back of his tailgate of his truck. And he was right outside the door where I, had, where I had to go. And so I looked out there and I said, oh. And he was playing music in his car or whatever. So I opened the door and I said, is everything okay? Because he was just sitting there. And, and he said, yeah. He said, oh, I was hoping to talk to somebody from the church. I said, oh. I looked around. Is there anybody else here? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But he says, I got to tell you, I got to tell you this story. And, and he had a hard time getting the story out. He was crying. And he said, five years ago, I came and I was in this parking lot. And, and I was in this parking lot and, and there was a guy mowing the lawn. And I, and I talked to this guy and, and my marriage was about destroyed. It was about over. And I talked to who that was today, and they said that they think he was even suicidal at that point. But he was here on Friday. He said to me, you know, that time when that man talked to me and talked to me about God, and then he laid his hand and he prayed for me, he said, he said that was a turning point in my life. You never know. You're just mowing the lawn. And then look what, ha what could happen. Be open to these opportunities. And, and I felt like I should have prayed for him and thinking about it afterwards. But, but you know, his testimony was good. And, 
He said, we're having a little trouble, but he said, because of what God did then, I know we're going to be okay. Why did I get reminded of that story? The reason is this. I said to him, so what do you do? And he says, I'm not kidding. I'm a rocket scientist. I said, okay. Well, you don't need to be rockets rocket scientists to look around and to see what's going on in our world today. We've gotten away from from the the word of God, from the the submission to what God has ordained. You know, we've already looked at marriage chapter chapter 2. It's one woman and one man ordained by God for life. And we've gotten so far away from it. And we wonder why our world's in trouble. Because we've got that independence. We're going to do it our way. Well, how's that working out for you? Not so good. Their eyes were open. Yes, they were. What did they do? They sewed fig leaves. They tried to cover it up, right? It's the cover-up. Someone said this, that this was their own feeble and futile attempt to hide their shame, which only God could cover. Verse 8, we'll finish with verse 8 for today. Then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. Now, we don't know how this kind of worked out. You know, would God come into the garden and, and meet with them, you know, in the afternoons or whatever? How, but, but there was something that, that took place between Adam and Eve and God. There's this relationship that was happening. But something changed, didn't it? Now they're hiding. Matthew uh, Henry, he said this before this happened, they would have run to meet him. Oh, God's here. Let's go. Let's, let's get, you know, get together and, and speak. And now they're, they're hiding. Now there's fear. Now there's confusion. Someone else said it, it was once a place of joy and fellowship with God. And now it's a place of fear and hiding from God. Crazy. What happened? Disobedience, sin entered the world and death through sin. Let me ask you this question. Can you hide from God? They, it says they hid among the trees, you know. God planted those trees. God knew where they were. Now, was God surprised? We'll find this out next time. Was God surprised? What, you know, what, what happened here? I, I just left for, you know, I was only gone for, you know, an hour and look what you... No, he wasn't surprised. He, confront, he confronts them with it, and then we'll see that the fruit that comes out of it. But you can't hide from God. We can't hide from God. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There isn't anywhere we can go and hide. And, and the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we realize that, we, we, and we surrender to him and say, God, and fall down before him. And we receive that that 
you know, that joy that comes from fellowship with him. And, and as I mentioned earlier, comes through Jesus. That Jesus restored what we once had. That's why Paul said, you know, that, that we're a new creation. Things he, we, we get brought back to this place of fellowship, this place of, of, of not hiding from God, but, you know, relating to him. Now, when we, even as believers, sometimes we go off and do our own thing and we, we, we kind of run and we kind of hide from him, but, but there, we can't get away from him. We can't. Isaiah said, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in the darkness and thinks, who sees us? Who will know? But God says in Jeremiah, my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. God says in Jeremiah 23, can, can anyone hide in secret places so I can't see him? Don't, don't I fill heaven and earth? So we, we can run, you know, but we can't, we can't hide. Just can't. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we just fall and, as I said, just humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift us up. We're going to blow it. We're, we still have this flesh we're battling, the sin and, and the temptation of all this world and the temptation of, of, of our own flesh. Though Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, you know, that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. He says, but he'll provide what? a way of escape, a way out, if we'll take it. We always have that choice. But God wants, his whole goal from, from day one, even from when this happened, was to restore that fellowship between us and him. And through that, restore the fellowship between us and us. We talked about our marriage, you know, the only way our fellowship in our marriage has been able to last this long is because of our fellowship with God. Jesus, that threefold cord. Always, always, always true. So now you know the first part of the story. Next week we'll get to the second part. Let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you that you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish no death but have eternal life by trusting in, in your son Jesus we thank you Lord that's always been your plan for our fellowship with you to be restored that we could have a relationship with God almighty through your son, Jesus. Yeah, it's bad. Father, we see how bad it is. And, and, and sometimes it just crushes us how bad it is. How evil people can be. But then we look to you and the love that you have for us. And, and everything changes. Everything changes. So we humble ourselves before you, almighty God, today. I pray, I pray for your people today. Maybe they're facing a battle and the enemy is, 
is fighting against them and, and that they would just stand against him as Paul talked about in, in Ephesians 6 and put on the whole armor of God, the belt of truth and just say, the Lord rebuke you. Father, we're weak. Jesus said to us in the garden, he said to pray that you wouldn't enter into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray. We need to be prayed up and filled up with the Holy Spirit and full of the word of God, the word of truth. Father, help us, I pray, Lord. Bless this day. Bless our fellowship time even now. I pray you bless your people, even bless them with snacks and plants and everything else that you have for them. Blessings. And the fruit of life, the fruit of our Savior Jesus Christ in our lives. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?